You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Sport has always been an integral part of Steve Imp's life, even making the University of Connecticut men's basketball team as a walk-on in college. But at age 25, an automobile accident left him paralyzed. He was searching for something that would fill the void. And at age 42, he found it when he was recruited for the U.S. wheelchair curling team. Steve would go on to compete at the 2018 Winter Paralympics in Pyeongchang and is working to make the 2022 Paralympics as well. So what is curling? Listen to our conversation and find out how exciting this sport is. So Steve, I thought we would just start by uh, talking about, you know, your career and your journey, because I know sports have always played an integral part in your life. So maybe walk us or take us back to, you know, I know that you were, I think, a three-sport letterman maybe in high school or so. So let's just start there and and we'll, we'll see where the journey takes us. Absolutely, Sean. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight. Um, it's <clears throat> Sport has always been an incredible part of my life. Growing up, my parents were very involved in the community with uh, the rec programs, the bas- basketball, football, baseball, softball, soccer even. And, you know, there was even some times where there was no teams and no leagues and my parents went out and formed them, you know, 45 years ago or so, just so kids have an opportunity to play. So I always, I was always on a court somewhere. I was always on a field somewhere and I had older brothers and sisters. So it turned out I was, you know, hanging with them on the field. I was playing, you know, up in four or five years against, you know, older, bigger, stronger, you know, boys and girls. So I got pretty good, pretty quick. I I was, I'm a jock. I, I, I love sports. I love everything about it. I love everything that it teaches you, the teamwork, the hard work, the discipline, the coaching and everything. So growing up, any sport, whatever season it was, you know, soccer season, soccer was my favorite sport. Basketball season, basketball, my favorite. Baseball, baseball. So just continue. I was outside all day long and just just playing and having fun being a kid. Uh, when I got through high school, by the time I finished high school, I was a three-sport a three varsity uh, letter winner. I was a All-American soccer goalkeeper. I was a All-State basketball player, and I was an All-Conference baseball player. So arguably... And I'll argue with anybody. I'm the greatest athlete that's ever come through my high school. <laughs> Again, loved being a part of it. I was a man out there. I was a jock. You know, it just it was great times. When I had a chance to go to college, I was being recruited by a bunch of schools around the country to play both soccer and basketball for them. Mm-hmm. I decided to go to the United States Military Academy at West Point, where I ended up playing soccer and basketball there, Division One soccer, Division One basketball. It was difficult, obviously, with the grades and all that. But again, Sports is such a huge part of my life that I, every opportunity I got to play, I, I did. Ended up leaving West Point. I came back to Connecticut. I enrolled at the University of Connecticut, and that's where I ended up playing basketball for the University of Connecticut. So for two years, 1992 to 1994, I played. I was a walk-on for the men's team, and I, you know, I played with guys like Ray Allen and Scott Burrell and Kevin Ollie and Daniel Marshall, all these guys that went on to play many, many years in the pros and Obviously, Ray Allen's a Hall of Famer. I played for Coach Calhoun, who's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Again, two years of you know Division One basketball, and we're fourth ranked in the country, and you're traveling around the, 
country and you're, you know, staying in the best hotels and you're playing in Madison Square Garden and, mm-hmm. and all these incredible arenas all around the country. I had the best seat in the house, Sean, best seat. I played 38.7 seconds in two years. So uh, I don't round that up. I don't round it down. I'm very proud of that 38.7 seconds. And, uh, but I had the best seat in the house. You know, I'm right there on the court, you know, watching these guys go up and down every day. It was incredible. I had my accident when I was 25 years old and I, you know, I dabbled with some sports, uh, wheelchair racing. I raced in the New York City Marathon uh, in 2010, messed around with tennis, messed around with basketball, a couple of things here and there. And then uh, eight years ago now, I found the sport of curling, and it has completely just changed my life and changed my world. And I'm blessed and honored to be able to do what I do today and, and travel the world and represent Team USA in this wonderful sport of curling. So sports is a huge part of my life. Every I coached high school basketball for 20 years after my accident. So I was always around it. And it's, it's very important to me. And, and, and I know you, you opened up a couple of different things that I wanted to kind of circle back to, which is awesome. Yes. Um, the, uh, first of all, uh, to, to be a walk on, I mean, that's just a, that's an incredible feat by itself. you know, I know that I know, I know obviously that, I mean, that's a, a tough, uh, a, a tough thing to do or, or to, to meet and to accomplish. And, and so, and, and so that's awesome. And then obviously to be on the team, uh, it means that, you know, you, you were, you were a fantastic, you know, a ball player, regardless of that, whether it was just 38.7 seconds or not. So, so uh, kudos to you, kudos to you for that. But, um, and then, and then I definitely want to talk about the, the different wheelchair sports that, that I know that you uh, ventured into and um, were the, were others like was racing and tennis and basketball, not um, your cup of tea or, you know, why, well, I guess, why didn't any of those maybe stick longer than they, than, than they did. Uh, and then I definitely want to talk about, of course, what we're really, really here to talk about, which is how you found curling, but let's start, let's start with the other sports that you tried. And as you said, dabbled in. Right. Well, the main one is basketball. You know, everybody, I still get asked, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I travel a country and I speak to groups mm-hmm. and I always get that question. Now, do you, you know, do you play wheelchair basketball? And no, I, I, I never did. Um, when I woke up from my coma after my accident, like literally three or four days later, there were some guys, you know, like three or four wheelchairs rolled into my room and, you know, in, in the hospital. And before that, I really didn't even know anything about adaptive sports or, mm-hmm. That I didn't know anything about the Paralympics, that's for sure. And they're like, oh, you know, you got to come play basketball for us. They played for the Connecticut Spokebenders. And at the time, I was like, guys, you know, this, I just came out of coma here a couple of days ago. You know, let me get my life in, you know, in line here. And then, but I never had the desire, Sean, to play basketball. I, I those get, I don't know why. I think, I think it was because if I'd really put my mind to it, I would have been very good at it. I mean, those guys are incredible. They are, they're incredible athletes. Obviously, there you got to be young to play a sport like that. You know the 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 track and field and the basketball and the racing and the rugby and you know those aren't sports for us old guys. You know that's those are sports for those young young guys that are just you know still amped up and ready to go. And I didn't want to play basketball, and and I never have. Uh, like I said, I, I coached basketball for twenty years, and I'd go out there and I'd you know play horse with my my players, and I. I beat them all the time and outshoot them and all that, but I never, never once tried it and never once wanted to play it. So I, you know, I'm okay with that. I love the sport and I love watching it and I know a couple of them, uh, but I'm okay with not playing the tennis. Well, you know, it's kind of too slow for me again, incredible athletes, incredible mm-hmm. people. Uh, 
I tried a couple times with some some very good tennis players, and they smoked me. And <laughs> wasn't into it. Uh, the racing was fun. Uh, I did a couple marathons. New York being the one, the biggest one. And then right after I did New York, I ended up breaking my leg, and I was, I was oh. transferring, trying to come up some stairs, and I broke my leg, and I couldn't train for Boston. I was going to do Boston the following April, and I couldn't train for the Boston one. So that kind of set me back a little bit. And then you know what? At that time, I'm 40 years old, and hey, maybe not the sports. You know, the sports are for the young guys and the young women, and you know, let these younger generations play and excel at it. And I'll just you know go back to teaching. I was teaching at the time, and. And get out of my, you know, live my life out and, and, and love life. And then I got stalked into the sport <laughs> of curling. <laughs> uh, and and that's, we at Movie United always talk about uh, the importance of trying different sports, though, for that exact same reason. Because, yes, yes, uh, yes. You know, you you might not like the first sport or the second sport or or even a, several sports, but but there's always that one that I think, particularly if you just if, like like you said and like like I have valued, if you have have always appreciated what sport can give you, you just need to sometimes find that right sport. So uh, that's why we always talk about trying a different you know trying different sports until hopefully one one will will resonate with you. That is that is so true, Sean. That is very important for anybody with a disability, uh, physical, mental, whatever it is. You know, be a part of something that's bigger than you, and you know, something that you can look forward to going to practice a couple of days a week or every day or training like I do every day a week, whatever it might be, uh, on whatever level. It's so important to you nailed it. Try, try, try. You're going to find one eventually. And in my case, one found me and. Here I am now. I'm blessed and fortunate to be what I'm doing. What I'm doing. So I'd love to love to hear and learn about how uh, you know curling is not a sport that everyone has seen or would know about. Um, we always are trying to trying to describe it to folks. Um, and so how did how did the sport uh, land in your lap? Forty three years old. I went away. I live in Connecticut, so I'm about two and a half hours from Cape Cod, Mass. And I'd never been there before in my life. Everybody's telling me it's a beautiful place. So one weekend when I was 43 years old, eight years ago, I decided to go to Cape Cod for the weekend. Get away. <clears throat> we'll be by myself. Enjoy the, enjoy the place. I check into my hotel. I asked them, well, I'm not from here. What do I do? I don't know what's going on. They said, well, you need to go down to Woods Hole. It's a little town near Falmouth. And go to this place called Pie in the Sky, a bakery. Get something to eat. It's a beautiful day out. Watch the boats come in. It's on a harbor. Okay, so I park my truck and I'm pushing up the hill and I get the pie in the sky and I'm grabbing something to eat. I'm sitting outside enjoying the day and this gentleman comes around a corner, <clears throat> 60s, mid 60s or so, his hair slicked back, Italian looking gentleman. He comes up to me, he says, excuse me, are you local? I said, no, I'm from Connecticut about two and a half hours away. And then there was about 10 seconds of silence between us. I'm looking at him, he, I'm sizing him up. He's looking at me, he's sizing me up and I'm thinking to myself, I'm dead here. Like, what's going on? Like, I'm trying to think, where am I going? Am I going off of that pier, going down the road, whatever? And finally, I said to him, do you mind telling me why you asked that? He said, well, I trained with the Paralympic curling team here in the Cape, and I saw you pushing up the hill. And with your build, I can make you into an Olympian in a year. To which I'm like, hey, what the heck is curling? And B, <laughs> what do I, I heard Olympics, you know, being an athlete, where do I sign up? You know, let's go. That man, Tony Colaccio, who is an incredible, incredible individual, he was just happened to be driving by on the road when he saw me pushing up the hill. Yeah. And he parked his truck and he walked around Woods Hole for 40 minutes, Sean, until he found me. Huh. He would not 
leave. And his wife was came around the corner and his wife joined us eventually, which made me feel a little bit better. <clears throat> I got stalked into the sport. I had no idea what it was. We talked about it for about an hour or so. He explained it's a new sport. This is what it is. You've got an opportunity in front of you. Keyword opportunity. This, you could do some great things here. You've got an opportunity to travel the world and, and wear the USA gear and have your name on American flag and Paralympics. So I thought about it all the way home. I Googled it when I got home and I right away and I thought to myself, you know, this is something I could do. You know, this looks like a sport, you know, that able-bodied, disabled, it doesn't matter. White, black, it doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. Age, you know, sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. Everybody can get involved in the sport. Mm -hmm. I went back about two weeks later. I threw my first couple stones on the ice at midnight on a Wednesday night. And it was just, <laughs> it hit me, Sean. It just lit the fire. And I absolutely love this. I am so passionate about it. The sport is amazing. And I am blessed again and fortunate to be able to do what I do. and compete and travel the world. It's all because of timing and why was I there and why was Tony there? And, you know, everything happens for a reason, but like you said, you know, we try sports, we try, we try, we try, we don't like it. Mm, yeah. Well, maybe not. This isn't it. And all of a sudden this one fell right into my lap and I got stalked into it. So point is we, we got to keep our minds open. We always got to go out there and look for, you know, things and, and, and just experiment and try and keep on trying different things. And that's, that's what, you know, being a disabled athlete, that's, that's what we do. And I uh, go out there and just compete and have fun. And, and this one fell in my lap. So I got stalked into the sport. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but, but how many, how many uh, things had to go right for that to happen? I mean, you were recommended to go to that place to eat by somebody. Uh, he happened, you know, he happened to be there and, and was interested in, in, in you enough yep. to, you know, obviously pursue you for 40 minutes or, or right, so. Right. So there no, were a lot of things that any of that could have gone wrong or, and, and you wouldn't be where you are today, which is if amazing. There was a red, if there was a red light down the road from where he came from, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And that's, that's what's crazy. It's like, no, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have known. And again, I didn't know anything about the Paralympics. I didn't know anything about, you know, you know, sports for, uh, you know, people with disabilities or disabled, you know, I, I didn't know any about that stuff. And then he, boom, here we go. And just fell into my lap. Incredible. And so what was it about um, what was it about the sport that really just uh, got you excited about it? You, you can't beat it. Um, you, you can't, you know, you go out on a basketball court and you can make every shot. Uh, you go, you know, it's like, I, I, re I relate curling to golf. You can't go out on a golf course and shoot 18 holes in one. It's, it's impossible. <laughs> uh, you know, you can, you other sports, you can master bowling. You can bowl a 300 game pa baseball. You mm -hmm. throw a perfect game. You know, you can master these things curling you can't and that's what gets me every shot is different and we throw i mean at my career i've thrown hundreds of thousands of stones on the ice and everything every one of them is different from the ice conditions where you are in the world uh the, the mm. speed of the ice the people the amount of people in the building the people next to you i mean everything it's just it's incredible yeah. it's it's a sport that's one-on-one -on -one, but it's also it's a team sport you've got to rely heavily on your team there's, there's math involved in it. I was a math teacher for 20 years. You know, there's oh, the angle, yeah. angles and all that, just like billiards. There's mm -hmm. physics, there's chemistry. It's, it's, it's everything. Everything I love about life is in this one sport of curling and it has completely gotten me and lucky to be here. Yeah. I, I love that an analogy and, and, and just the idea of, 
of how many components of your mind you have to use. You know, we all, we all go to school. We all, even, even if you were a math, uh, you know, major to math or even taught math, uh, most of us obviously are, are learn math, but how do we, do we ever think we're going to use some of the thing, these things that we learn in school, like physics? Right. I, don't, I, don't, I couldn't, I, I definitely forgot most of what I was taught oh, yeah. about physics oh, yeah. in school. Right. So, yep, yep. so it's like, yeah. and but this in the sport, it's, it's, they're all there. And I mean, what this, I mean, you know, I came from playing basketball. I played division one basketball, you know, with, you know, I was used to, you know, you know, you dunk on somebody and you get in their face and your chest is out and you're hooting and hollering and talking smack, but curling, it's a complete 180 from that, Sean. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's mental. It's breathing through the eyelids. It's, you know, all this woo stuff. And, you know, you're, 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 you're pushing your teammates and you're congratulating your opponent. You shake hands before a match, mm. you, you play against each other for two hours or so. And you shake hands afterwards and probably go into the you know bar and get a your meal and a drink and, and talk and hang out for a while. That's, and everywhere I go in the world, it's it's a fraternity, it's a sorority. You hear somebody say the word curling, and automatically, you know, like a dog, like Whoo! you know, it's you go over to them, and, you, and it strikes up a conversation. It's an incredible. It's a niche sport. It's getting more popular, obviously, uh, with the with the Olympics and Paralympics coming up. Mm-hmm. Every four years, it gets a big spike in membership at all the clubs. So, yeah, it's an incredible sport, and it's it's calmed me down incredibly. And Tony. And Tony's no longer with us. I referred to him. He's the one that stalked me and found me. Uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, he lost a battle with cancer. Mm. He was an incredible man. And he he taught me whenever I came off the ice, you know, I, when I was before this, I would come off the basketball court all mad and, you know, nobody was there to do anything or the baseball diamond or the soccer field. But every time I come off the ice, whether I had a great game or a terrible game, Tony was there, give you a big hug, big, you know, a smile and his Tony, leave me alone, you know, but he wouldn't, you know, Hey, that's curling, Steve. That's curling. What are you going to do? You miss a shot. That's curling. You know, I, I love you. That's what he would say. And yeah. Hey, what can you do? That's uh, you know, and, and it's funny that you say that it's a sport that you, that, that you can't beat or, or that you can't, you know, you can't master that to me would be like ridiculously. That's why I don't play golf is because, <laughs> because it it's so frustrating, but yet, you, 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 it, you, it, you know, you're, you're called or drawn to it. So, so yes. How, how do you explain that? Like as a sport that, you know, if you can't master it, then why do, why do people keep coming back to it then? You're constantly striving. I mean, you know, our, my, myself, my teammates, our level of curlers, we, it's, it takes, we're wired differently. And I'll be the first one to admit, you know, Olympians, Paralympians, pros, High level amateur, we're wired differently, and we need to compete, and we, you know, thrive on competition and trying to excel and trying to be perfect, which we can't be, uh, but we we try, and that's that's what I love about it. You you know, you shoot ninety eight percent in a game, which doesn't happen very often, but it could, but it's not good enough. Damn, why? Where's that two percent? You know, where did that go? So mm-hmm. it's constantly just wanting to be the best. Let's go. <laughs> And part of our mission, uh, and obviously even part of our conversation here, is to introduce uh, folks to uh, a new sport, maybe that they haven't thought about or even heard of. And and so let's let's for for those that are literally have not seen the sport or have not heard of the sport, walk me through you know what the sport is, you know how how you know what's a composition of a team, um, yep. what's the you know what is the um, 
the, the equivalent of a court, you know, quote unquote, quarter field like uh, yep. like dimensions or those types of things on the knife. <clears throat> gotcha. So first of all, curling, if, for those of, you know, for those of us that are listening, curling, uh, wheelchair curling is the same, same sheet of ice, same building, same club, everything that able-bodied curling is. It's the same exact sport with the, the exception of two things. Uh, we don't slide out of a hack, obviously, because, you know, we're disabled, we're wheelchairs, whatever it might be, amputees, whatever it is. So we delivered from a seated position in a stationary position. And we have a stick that connects to the stone and we throw the stone that way. We push it on the ice. We're not, when I say throwing a stone, Sean, we're not picking up these stones and throwing them down the ice. Right, right. We slide them down the ice. They're 42 pounds of granite. So you don't want to probably throw out a shoulder. <laughs> the other difference is that we don't sweep. So when you're watching able bodied curling, and they're yelling at each other, yelling at the stone, and they're sweeping in front of the stone real fast. We don't do that, obviously, because it's, it'd be difficult for us. Mm-hmm. So it's actually harder on us because I'm aiming for about the size of a basketball, mm-hmm. 120 feet away on the ice, and it, with a lot of curl, and it's, a lot, it's, it's, it's crazy. So the dimensions, the buildings, everything is exactly the same. It's about 140 feet long. It's called a sheet of ice. Okay. Usually there's, club, there's clubs. There's two clubs in Connecticut. There's clubs all around the country. But it could be a one-sheet club. It could be an eight-sheet club. There's an eight-sheet club in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm sure there's others in the country. Uh, so a sheet of ice is what you play on. It's about 140 feet long. There are two bullseyes, one on each end. They're called houses, which are rings. They look like bullseyes. It's about 14 feet wide, a sheet of ice. And basically, mm-hmm. your goal is to, with curling, is to get to the uh, closest to the button, which is the center of the house, the center of the bullseye. Whoever gets there gets a point. Now, there are eight ends in a game. An end is like an inning in baseball. If I'm playing you, Sean, you throw a stone, I throw a stone. We go back and forth for 16 stones, and that's one end. And then we'll come back and play the second end, and then the third end, and so on. So there's eight ends usually in a game. Sometimes there's 10. That's pretty much the game right there. You want to get the, the, the object of the game is to get as close to the center of the house or the bullseye. As possible, you can score one point. You can score up to eight points, whatever okay. it might be. You're knocking stones out. If you have a stone in there, I can remove it. So I take it out. I hit it. You put up guards. You put up stones in front of the house, and then you draw. You come around them. So there's a lot of strategy going on, a lot of thinking going on. And when I say that, you know, I've been I've been on the university campus, University of Connecticut campus, playing basketball for three hours with these future pros and not drinking water. And I've been on the ice for three hours and not drinking water. And believe me, when I get off the ice, Sean, I'm twice as spent, <laughs> twice as tired than I would be doing something physical because you are constantly thinking, where's this shot going? What's this person going to do? Where are they going to go? If they go here, I'm doing this. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible sport. I encourage anybody to get out there and participate. And like I said before, I have curled with the best, you know, curl. I, I can get on the ice and curl with the best able-bodied curlers in the world. I can't go out on a basketball court and play one-on-one with, you know, Michael Jordan. I can't go on a tennis court and play one, you know, one-on-one with Serena uh, Williams. It's not going to happen. You're going to get smoked, but you can on this, in this sport, get out with the best curlers, able-bodied, disabled, it doesn't matter. And, 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 and enjoy a match, enjoy a game and have fun. And that's what it's about, you know, having fun. It's an incredible sport. And it's so, so fun. The people are incredible. Traveled the world. I've met tens of thousands of people and not one of them has ever been a jerk. You know, no, there's no egos out there. It's just, just people involved in a sport and having fun. And it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. 
And so you, you said an end is um, you throwing eight stones and your opponent throwing eight stones, correct? So yes. at, at most, you'll walk away at the end of an end with eight points, basically? Correct. Okay. Yeah, which is very, that's a huge deal. That's like, that's like a hole-in-one in a PGA event. If you get an eight-ender, I mean, you're in the newspapers and all that stuff. It's a big deal. It doesn't happen very often. It's, it's like, like a, the three. It's like the th- the three hundred bowling bowling game, right? Well, no, I think three hundreds happen a lot, don't they, Sean? I mean, those, they those do. Pros. And then in the yeah. pro at the pro yeah. professional level, they do. These guys are nuts. My game, but you know, um, yeah, my game's negative three hundred. That's yeah. right, too. And so, and so, if you score eight, does that mean your opponent scores zero? Is that kind of yes? Yeah, okay? so only one team. Talk? Yep, only one team could score per end. Okay. Yep. So if I score in the first end, let's say two or three, then we come back on the second end. And now I throw the first stone since I scored in the previous end. Now I throw the first stone of the second end and you have the last stone of the second end, which is called the hammer. Mm. So whoever, whoever scores in the previous end throws first. So it's kind of, you know, they, it's kind of, they helping you out. If you don't score in that end, they're helping you in the next end by giving you the last stone and you want the last stone. Cause you have the, you know, you have the better chance of scoring. Okay. Yep. And, and so, so it's not a, it's not a, uh, and again, I'm just trying to walk folks that may not have seen the mm-hmm. game before. It's not a, a an opportunity where someone, where a, a team can score seven to one no. at an, at an end. It's, it's, it's basically wiped. The slate is wiped uh, based, ba- based on how many, of, how many of the highest scoring athlete gets, right? Is that, is that- team, the team. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Which is, I mean, which is another great thing about it. You know, you could give up five in the first end, which again, it's that's difficult to do. But the second end, who's to say you can't go out and get five right now, right? And tie the game up. So, right. so that and, and what you're just talking about, that's you know, you got an opportunity to to get it back. So, now, and I was, so yeah, and so I was definitely, and that was actually leading the perfect perfect lead into my next question in terms of how does the team element or component uh, factor into this? So. Um, yep. if, if in, in one end, does every team member throw or is it? Yes. Or, okay. Yep. There are four positions on a team. There's the lead, the second, the third, and then the skip or the skipper. Uh, the skip is the one down the other end of the ice. So the three of us, the first, the first, the second, and the third, mm-hmm. are all down one end. The skips are down the other. They're calling the shots. They're telling us what to do, where to throw it, where they want the stone to be, all that stuff. Okay. So. So if I'm playing you, your lead will throw their first stone. My lead will throw the first stone. Your lead will throw their second stone. My lead will throw their second stone. And then they're done throwing stones for the end. And then the seconds go. Your second goes their first. My second goes their first. Okay. Your second goes their second. My second goes their second. Now they're done for the end. Gotcha. Now the thirds go. Thirds first, thirds first, third second, third seconds. They're done. And now the skips throw their two stones. So you're alternating stones. So you get a shot. Okay. Now I'm going to counter that with something. I, I, I take my shot. All right. Now you're going to counter it. So it's continuously just a lot going on. Exactly. Lot going on. So you yep. alternate, you alternate throws obviously between two opponents. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. That, that, that helps explain it. And so um, I, I imagine there's offense and defense obviously played in the same, in the same game and the same end even. So, um, uh, do you, do you find, do you find it, um, I, I guess I should say, or ask, you know, which one's interest more interesting or more compelling in terms of either playing off offense or defense? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I think better than offensive defense is we talk about it, the level of aggression. It's how aggressive do you want to be? And our first game, you know, we're not going to be very aggressive because you. I mean, the very first end of the first game, you know, you don't want to go out there. You don't. You you know, you're not going to win the game in the first end, but there's a chance you could lose it. So mm-hmm. you don't want to be very aggressive right away. We you know we're going to be play nice and relax and you know to keep it simple and yada yada. You know, and but then once the score gets put on the score and how late in the game it is, that dictates your level of aggression. So obviously if it's later in the game and you're down two or three points, now you've got to be a lot more offensive and go out there and take risks. And, and you might you might get a big end, you might give up a big end, but obviously you have to do it because you're down. So in the beginning of the game, you're playing a little bit more defensive, keeping things clean and nice and simple. You're not, nobody's, nobody's going to go nuts here and win a medal in the first end of the first game. <laughs> so you're playing it kind of defensively. But then as the game goes on, the score and where you are in that eight ends, you know, obviously later in the game is going to dictate how, how aggressive you are or how not aggressive you are. Right. How, how conservative you might play. <laughs> yep. yep. Absolutely. And so in the course of a game, how, how many stones does a typical player throw then? Well, if you go eight ends and you're playing, you're throwing two stones per end, you're going to throw 16 stones every game. Okay. Unless it's a blowout, and then that's another thing. If you, you a lot of teams concede, you know, oh, if it's okay. if, if at the end of the seventh end, if we're you know mathematically, if you cannot come back mathematically, if you're down five and you only have four stones left, that's common courtesy. It's part of the unwritten rules. You concede and you're done. Oh wow! I didn't, but I there's didn't a lot of that. a lot of teams. You know, if we're down, you know, I'm not going to say that. If we're up eight to one, <laughs> that's right. Going into the eighth end, I expect my opponent to concede. And, and shake hands, and you know, and I don't like to, you know, I don't like to we use the word give up, but you shake hands. Hey, you got me today. You know, yeah. you got the better of me this game. Congratulations, good game, good game, good game, good game. Boom, we're going away. We're going to locker room and start throwing stuff around. But uh, yeah, so you know, if 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 the time comes, then yeah, we do. Somebody somebody usually concedes, but for the most part, if it goes eight ends, or if it's an extra end, might go nine, and you're going to throw eighteen songs. Oh, so there it could be an extra inning. Is there more than yeah, one right. extra inning or just or one yeah, extra? Yeah, yeah. If it's tied at the end of eight, you play only one end. One. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then if it's tied, is it is it, if it's it, tied? There, it end? never never ties. Okay. Never. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that, but I've I've never seen one tie after nine. But okay. it, it could happen, absolutely. Then they would go another one. They would go ten ends. Okay. Yep. All right. But it's highly unlikely that a tenth end is <laughs> has been played. Correct. Correct. <laughs> yep. And so, um, for even for athletes like yourself, how how do you train? I know we've we've talked a lot about mental, but uh, mm. just talk about what what's required in terms of training to compete at the at the international level, even. Absolutely, yeah. When I first had the opportunity to make Team USA, I was traveling from Connecticut to Cape. I was training with Tony on the Cape, so it was a two and a half hour drive up and a two and a half hour drive back. Uh, I would sometimes I would spend an hour up there and just practice. So I drive five hours just to practice one hour. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I would spend a whole weekend up there and, and spend eight hours a day on the ice. So, you know, like anything else that you, you, when, when you, when you have the passion for it and you love it and you, you put the time in, you're going to, you're going to get good at it. Just, it's just common sense. My, my typical training schedule now is uh, five or six days a week. I'm on the ice. Uh, like I said, I live in Connecticut. There are two clubs. I belong to the Norfolk Curling Club, incredible place in Northern Connecticut mm-hmm. that I'm blessed to have. It's a little two-sheet club and an incredible community of people. So I'm up there, you know, probably three or four times a day, or excuse me, a week on the ice, 
practicing, playing games, scrimmaging, messing around with people, whatever it is, just get on the ice and throw stones. Mm-hmm. The days that I'm not on the ice, I'm doing, I have a mental uh, practice that I do in my, my bedroom right here in my house that consists of a couple hours. That consists of meditation, uh, positive imagery. I actually go through a dry firing routine with my, I have my curling stick in my hand and I go through mm-hmm. all the shots and I close my eyes and I imagine, you know, seeing the shot and making a shot and being successful. Uh, I have a 20 minute video clip of me from Pyeongchang that all makes. So I watch that every day. Very important mental. Like, like when, unfortunately, you know, this thing called COVID hit us, you know, what, mm-hmm. two years ago now and all the clubs in Connecticut shut down and we would, we were on our way to our, uh, our first world championship mm-hmm. and all the clubs shut down. So we had to figure out a way to get this done. And for me, it gave, it gave me a perfect opportunity to, depend or rely or work, work more on my mental game because curling is very much a mental game. Probably 90% of it is mental. So it gave me the opportunity to work on my met the mental side of my game. And, and I wasn't on the ice for probably six, eight months, but when I did get back on the ice, what was like, I didn't miss a day because I was mm-hmm. seeing it all in my head, you know, exactly. here in my bedroom, I was envisioning everything and positively I didn't miss a shot. <laughs> you know, when you, when you're, when you're doing positive imprinting, imprinting and positive imagery and, and seeing it, you don't miss a shot. So you're mm. pretty dang good when you're doing that. So that's, <laughs> that was very important. So typical training for me is, is four to five days on the ice every day, doing something mentally going through it and watching game film or, or we have team meetings, you know, once or twice a week, uh, all we, every week throughout the year. So we're always with a team and our coaches and going over strategy and talking, talking curling. Uh, it's, it's a job. It's, it's, it's a lot of time and a lot of sacrifices that I've made along the way to, to get where I am. And, and along those lines, because you talked about your local club in Connecticut, what, what is that pipeline like in terms of like how would an athlete, you know, let's say in, I'll just pick, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, Yep. Who who might aspire to uh to be like you, you know, one day. How absolutely. would they even begin that that process? Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, first first of all, I mean, I would I'll I'll give you my email, please. And if anybody's, you know, whatever's listening, please, I mean, you can go on my website, steveemt.com. Mm-hmm. That's Steve and the last name is EMT. So steveemt.com. My contact information is on there. Anybody that hears this, anybody that wants to try this beautiful sport of curling, please contact me personally. And I will put you in touch with your local club. There's clubs all around the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go down to your local club. You can contact them, call them, you know, email, whatever. Unfortunately, right now, I would I would say it's about 50-50 with the chances of you getting somebody that's going to come back to you and say, all right, yeah, I know about wheelchair crone, but we can help you. Uh, a lot of the clubs are not accessible, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to one up and I trained a couple of days last week up in uh, Wayland, Mass., Incredible Broomstones Curling Club, incredible club, but technically they're not accessible. But like we do, Sean, we find a way to make it happen. We went in the side door. I brought my portable ramp. We got a piece of plywood, and I was mm-hmm. on the ice and you know in my in my haven for three hours. So we all know where there's a will, there's a way, and we're going to mm-hmm. make it happen if we really wanted wanted to. So you can contact the local club. You can Google curling clubs in your area. Please contact me again, steveemp.com. My contact, my phone number, my email's on there. And I will put you in touch with somebody that's local to you. And if we're serious about this, and I say we, not you, talking to your audience, but if we're serious about this, 
I'll take a trip out and I'll train with you myself and I'll show you the sport. I love doing it. We do a lot of stuff through the VA now. Uh, we're getting back to it. We lost a little bit with the COVID, but we're getting back to putting on VA clinics all around the country. Uh, so, we're, so you know, we do that four or five times a year. We have athlete identification camps through Team USA, where if you are an athlete, especially an athlete, you know, a, an adaptive athlete from a different sport, you know, you'll get, you'll get your airfare paid for, your hotel, all the registration fees, all that paid, and you come out to our camp and, you know, we'll try to convert you into a curler. <laughs> We don't step on any toes though, Sean, you know, we make sure you talk to your other coaches first. So, you know, we, which when I started this eight years ago, I there's probably maybe 10 wheelchair curlers in our country. Mm. And right now I would say there's about 60 or 70. That's so fantastic. Sport, it, it is. And it's, you know, that's because of guys like Tony who would not pass up anybody with a disability, incredible man, my coaches, myself, my teammates, uh, mm-hmm. my, my former teammates. I mean, we, we stalk everybody now. You know, we, we do that. We, you know, anybody I come across on the street, I go up to and approach them. Hey, you know, what do you do? And what's going on? Where are you from? What do you know about the sport? It's, it changed my life. And I just, the sport, the sport deserves that. Curling is an incredible sport, but wheelchair curling deserves us going out there and promoting it and, and raising awareness and letting people know, you know, yeah. winters are long for us. You know, being in a wheelchair in the winter, depending on where you live, <laughs> sometimes it's not fun, but you know, you got that. You got that, you know, I got a game Tuesday night and Thursday night and I can go on the ice and practice Friday. If you got that, I mean, it makes the winters go a lot quicker. That's true. Improves quality of life, you know, mentally, physically gets you out. I mean, I've, I've worked with veterans that say it's this, you know, that we've saved their lives uh, because of the sport and and us showing them and and taking our time. And that's what it's about. And just take care of each other, take care of ourselves. So local clubs, contact them, contact me, uh, Team USA, USA Curling, whatever it might be, we will gladly show you the way to get involved. That's no matter what level curler you want to be or you are right now, no matter how old you are. I've curled with four-year-olds. I've curled with – there was a guy at the Cape who was 101. He was curling. Uh, able-bodied, wheelchair, it doesn't matter. I mean, get involved. It's an incredible, incredible brotherhood and sisterhood and incredible sport. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned, you know, I mean, the, to have a six or seven fold increase in that, real, you know, really short time span is is fantastic. And that's, you know, what we always want to also promote and encourage is, is these sports that are, you know, growing, growing in uh, participation and, and uh, popularity. So um, anything else that we've not talked about that you just want to kind of sh- uh, share with us, Steve, about the sport? Well, I mean, the, I'm, and I'm not going to knock anybody else's sport, all right? But curling, you know, if you're playing basketball, I mean, what's the average lifespan? You know, what's your, what's your shelf life? You're right. Ten years, if you're serious, you know, rugby, ten minutes. I mean, those guys are nuts. They're, they're insane. <laughs> um, you know, track and field, takes a, they take a beating on your body. And, you know, if, if, if we can get a 25-year-old disabled athlete you know, we're talking, you could be a seven, eight, nine time Paralympian. You know, you're talking about, you know, setting records here if you wanted to. And again, I'm not going to knock, try not to knock any other sports, but you really can't do that in many other sports. Curling is a lifetime sport. Uh, and I'm, I'm 51 years old and I just started my first, you know, Paralympics when I was, I was 40, you know, 48. Right. That was my first right. Paralympics. Now I'm looking to get three of them in. So, you know, it doesn't matter the eight. You, we, it's a lifetime sport. It's incredible. Uh, but like we started off, you know, half an hour ago, so Sean, you said it, I said it, get involved. I don't care what it is. I want you, when I was coaching my parents, you know, parents of my players, you know, should I specialize? 
with my kid or should we go out and should he play basketball or football and baseball? I told him, go out and do everything uh, because you're getting different coaching, you're getting different teammates, you're getting different, different opportunities to do stuff. So just get involved. Anybody that's listening, get involved in sport. Like you said, try, 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 try. You will eventually find something that you love and that loves you and, and you can be successful at. That's awesome. I want to, I want to wrap by pivoting from wheelchair cur- curling a little bit and, and I know you do a lot of speaking and you've put out a book. So, so can you talk about those two things uh, for those that might just be interested in, in uh, learning more? Yes, sir. My book is on Amazon. It's called You Des- Decide. It's a six-step action plan to becoming a hero of your own life. I am, when, I, when I had my accident, you know, when I growing up, my hero was Larry Bird, Boston Celtics. My, he was my hero. But when I came out of my coma from my accident, and I was told I was never going to walk again. You know, Larry Bird was not going to help me walk. The doctors, the nurses, the support systems were all incredible. They weren't going to make it happen for me. I had to dig down deep inside myself and make it happen, you know, and get through what was coming uh, and, and, and living the rest of my life in a wheelchair. So, so many people nowadays don't realize that we all have it inside of us. We all, we all have the capabilities of getting through. I will get through this day. I will get past this accident. I will get through this next year. I will go out and get that job promotion. Yada, yada. All the successes in life are because of us. All the failures in life are because of us. So we need to stop blaming others. We need to stop looking elsewhere for motivation, inspiration. We all got it inside of us. We, we will do this. You know, not, not hopefully, but we will do this. So that's what my book's about. It's a six-step action plan that I use to get through my accident, that I use to become a Paralympian. It's good and bad. Lays out you know, all the steps of, you got to buy the book. I'm not going to, I'm not going to market it. Anymore. <laughs> no spoiler, no spoiler. <laughs> yep. It's on Amazon. The other piece of that, the speaking, I, I love spending time with people, whether it's high school students talking about drinking and driving out to my accident. I was a drunk driver. That's why I'm going to share it today. Or it's college or it's corporation about being a, being a Paralympian and, and leadership and teamwork and goal setting and training and all those things that come along with it. I just love spending time with people and, and sharing my story of something, a terrible decision I made at the age of 25 and then I'm paying for now for the rest of my life, being in a wheelchair or, you know, Hey, let's go out there and overcome this. And we can, and we will, we will achieve it. And Hey, we made a bad decision. Let's accept it. We move on and get going. So I love spending time sharing my story. I also love hearing their stories and what they've been through and, you know, just impacting as many people as possible. And and being you know going out there in public and being positive and loving life, life's too short. You know, I almost lost mine at the age of twenty five, and but we're still here and being successful. And it's it's crazy. Love that those two things: the book and the speaking and the curling and living a dream. Well, and that I, I mean, just just chatting with you, and this is the first time we've ever chatted. But this, just chatting with you, I can I can see how that enthusiasm and positivity just radiates out of you so steve thank you so much for for chatting with us today that's my pleasure sean thank you for having me and like i said anybody out there listening contact me go to my website contact me we'll get you involved in the sport or a sport if i can help out anybody you know any athletes any people out there with disabilities whatever it is physical emotional mental let's do this participate like you said life is beautiful